and welcome back to the Scooter Pod. And it's game week, people. That's right. Off season's over. Bring it on. It's week one. The Oklahoma Sooners host the UTEP Miners in uh, the 128th. Um, the debut of Team 128, as uh, Brent Venables would say. I'm your Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, back for another season of Sooner Football. Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee. We have a full setup. We're pumped. And uh, guys, I got to say, after this long offseason... How 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 thrilled are y'all to see the Sooners finally snap the ball uh, this Saturday at two thirty, Jameson? Two thirty. I honestly golden time slot, so that makes it even better. And honestly, there's just so much excitement for a regular old OU season where you kind of know what's going on going into it. Obviously, plenty of excitement, but with a new era with Brent Venables, new quarterback, pretty much new team for the most part. It's so much excitement. Yeah. Absolutely, it's thrilling. It's 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 it feels different than last year's did. Um, Ty, are you excited? How are you, how are you feeling right now? I'm extremely excited. I'm extremely optimistic about this team. I'm extremely optimistic about the potential ceiling for this team, and it's I don't know. It's a weird feeling. We've had so much turmoil and so much drama that has surrounded the the culmination of the end of last season with this OU team, and I really feel like I'm coming into this season feeling a lot better than I thought that I would have early December last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think there's this weird sense of optimism going on, uh, but I'm all in on it. You know, I like, like you said, I don't think we would have been this optimistic, you know, last year when, you know, we were having our podcast with Lincoln left and then hell, even when Vin, uh, Venables, you know, came to OU when we were all watching his plane land, I don't think we, you know, thought we would be here, but here we are. And I think that's really exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, it's just absolutely exciting. So we're, we're going to start this off. Um, Jameson, UTEP, like we, we kind of, we, we haven't seen them in a while, uh, in terms of like the last time OU played them, uh, is 2017 when, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield made his run. Uh, but we saw him a little bit in week, week one. Really, anything to talk about there? What, what did we what did we see out of them uh, in in the, that uh, kind of week zero beatdown? Yeah, um, we want to do most of our previews in uh, recaps on Sunday nights. So if y'all are listening right now, just be ready for those. Um, but since UTEP played uh, on Saturday, we wanted a little bit more time to uh, kind of get that prep for this game. And honestly, losing to eighteen versus North Texas wasn't the most optimistic thing for. UTEP football team, but just looking at it, I think Gavin Hardison, their quarterback, showed a couple of good things, especially in the first half. Um, there was a point in that first quarter, even though there are no points, I, I thought this UTEP team kind of looked like they were controlling the game, and um, he has some tools, so that's something to watch. They have a decent quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Ty, do you see anything out of UTEP uh, last week? Yeah, they put up 400 yards of offense, so that's always a decent metric. It was against UNT. Uh, probably the biggest thing that I was looking at them was on the defensive side. They let UNT uh, run them off the field and put up 399, so we'll say 400 yards of offense, and they let a 30-year-old college quarterback score three touchdowns on them. So that's those were my my big takeaways from uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, and ultimately that's kind of the thing about UTEP. They, they had a really good first half, and then – you know, that second half, they really just kind of went off the rails and, 
you know, uh, that, like you said, that 30 year old guy, uh, got, got pretty hot for North Texas there for a while. Um, so, you know, you can attribute it to the rain delay, whatever. I, I think ultimately UTEP just isn't all that great. Um, we'll see a little bit on the weekend spread, you know, coming out later this week that, um, uh, the line has actually shifted in UTEP's favor. So the, the whales are, are, are laying some uh, bricks on the, on the miners there. So, uh, that should be interesting, but, um, Ultimately, this is a game that kind of comes down to OU. Um, I think that's the case with a lot of, you know, that's kind of the mindset of this Brent Venables team. Kind of mentioned it today in the press conference that it, you, you kind of control what you can control. And ultimately, this is going to come down to the Sooners being, you know, being up to it, being able to execute. And um, let's kind of get into that. So um, last year, season opener against Tulane, we thought it was going to be a blowout. Very much was not. Um, very scary up until the end. Um, Jameson, are you what what are you looking out of or looking out for the Sooners here to kind of not do not not give us all a heart attack and almost lose to uh, UTEP? Do you, do you, what what what's gonna be different? What do you think has to be different? It's accountability and effort. We saw a lot last season that it seems like there wasn't an accountability and almost like an effort put forth every single game. And from what we heard about the practices and the weight training from Lincoln Riley's program, it seems like a lot of things just went to the wayside and that that culture is completely shifted now with Schmitty in charge and Venables, who's an old style kind of guy. Hopefully what we've been hearing from the off season about, you know, getting their weight up and, you can't be late no matter what. We're not going to have any excuses on this football field. It's going to make it where these guys are going to show up every single game. It doesn't matter if it's UTEP or Tulane. They're going to go out and give their best. That's the, that's the only answer to this question. And obviously, you know, we cannot make an assumption after this game. Say if there is a couple of falters here and there, you also have to fall back. This is a new scheme, and there's going to be some things that might not be perfect, but you'll be able to tell effort and effort. Even though, you know, some games might be a little bit off here and there, you can tell if everyone's giving their 100%. And that's the biggest thing I'll be watching during this game. Ty, your thoughts? I think Jameson brought up some really good points. It's all about, like Brent Venable says, controlling what you can control. And when you're looking at the game of college football, it's not set piece orchestrated. You're you're facing a, a thinking opponent that is able to react and, encounter the things that you're doing obviously the ability to do that is dependent on the specific team and a whole other host of variables but it's not something that you can go out there and control what the other side is doing you can only control what you're doing so i'm expecting to see i think this is a a weird metric but i think it really shows uh that established culture and that established discipline and buy-in i think and i haven't heard anyone say this because it's kind of a weird one like who who really cares i think we're going to be averaging much noticeably fewer penalties throughout the season with this new culture and staff. I'll make that call right now. That's nothing to back it up. Obviously there's going to be a little bit of troubles at the start of the season, but I think by the, by the end of the season, we're going to look back and see a notably more disciplined on, on the field performance team. And I think that's going to be indicative of a buy-in into this culture. So I, to bring it back to your original question, Bobby, about, what what is one little thing that we can look at obviously this is way down the road but i think one thing that we could look at right away because the you know the win loss record in year one of a, a coaching staff and with a lot of transfers and everything else that can vary 
But when we're at the end of the season, looking back, going, hey, did we win this season or did we lose this season in terms of building where we want to go? I think that penalty metric is going to be a sneaky good one to look at. Yeah, and I, I think you're totally right. Setting that standard has been the thing, uh, you know, Brent Venables has been, you know, preaching this entire offseason. And you, you just, it would feel like something would be wrong if they showed up flat, if they showed up without that effort, because, you know, that that's the one that's one thing you can't like you said that's one thing you can't control going as hard as you can going 100 not taking plays off um you know not taking your foot off the gas for an opponent that you feel is inferior which is something OU unfortunately did a lot um under the lincoln riley era and i don't know i don't see that happening this time out uh i don't think utep is as as bad if, as they've been in the past uh regardless of you know unt going out and clobbering them last year or uh, last week, but um, I don't know. A couple I, days I, ago. A couple days ago. A couple Ooh. days ago. Yeah, it's this it, time has been moving quick, folks. But um, yeah, hey, yeah. I, I think another thing on Ty's uh, comment about the uh, penalties: no Tyrese Robinson this year. So there's something going for us. Honestly, less penalties. Maybe Wanya Morris will be getting better. Um, you know, uh, breaks off the line. Uh, because Tyrese Robinson was a little bit slow, and those little tiny arms got him a lot of holding calls. But I'll be looking at Chris Murray, too. That right side of the line, I got my eyes on you for penalties this year. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return to football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings. Early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even better if your team loses. Hey, no bad bets there. DraftKings is safe, reliable, secure, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. You know, I feel like the season opener is always indicative of, you know, this obviously the start of a new year and, you know, it's, it's hard as you know, you don't have tape to look at. You don't have a team that you can go back and analyze and see how they can change, look forward, you know? So let's, let's kind of take some time and really think about, you know, how do, what, what do we want to see out of this season? What do what do we want to see out of, out of OU year one under Brent Venables? So Jameson, um, you know, Game one, kind of this weirdly like spring game, uh, kind of like the first day of school. What do you want to see out of the Sooners uh, on Saturday? On Saturday versus the season, I have two different answers. So on Saturday, I think that we should be able to control the line of scrimmage. I think that should be a given. If we're not, that's honestly a problem. Last year versus Tulane might be an anomaly because Jeffrey Johnson was pretty damn good for them in Tulane. Um, but we should be able to control the line of scrimmage just based on sheer size and skill. I'm more so looking at the guys like the wide receiver group is probably what I'm looking at in terms of other than effort for this Saturday. 
I want to see, is there any guys lower than the Marvin Mims and the Theo Weiss are going to break out and show that they could be a contributor on this team? I'm talking about Jalil Farouk, even though he's the number one on the depth chart, one of the outside wide receivers. I want to see if he can come in and be a wide receiver one. I want to see, is Jaden Gibson hype for real? We saw a little bit in the spring game, and we've heard plenty from the practice reports. Is this guy going to actually come out and show out in his first game as a true freshman? I, I think there's so much fun to be had at that wide receiver position. And with a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, hopefully he'll be able to set him up for success. Ty, what are you looking out for on Saturday? Yeah, I, I feel like I, I have a sneaky suspicion that – this is sort of the question that you just asked us a few minutes ago, and maybe you didn't like the answers, so the question got rephrased a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll say something different. So it doesn't stay, matter. It's all I'll talking say, points, maybe. Yeah, so I'll keep it. I'll keep it focused on Saturday, kind of like Jameson did, and I feel like he brought up some some really good points. The line is going to be the the big one that I'm looking at. On the offensive side, I don't think we're going to have too much trouble or, or too much tested. So again, penalties and just how coherent and, and well-formed they look. But on the defensive side, UTEP was only able to rush for about three and a half yards per carry against UNT, uh, putting up about 100 yards So on 30 attempts. So maybe a little bit more than three and a half. But that should be a, a running attack that we're going to face that is not going to be too difficult, that we shouldn't see any mistakes there. So I'm really looking forward to the defensive uh, line and, and their performance. I'm not too worried about... Uh, the offensive depth when it comes to passing and, and everything else, just because we're so early in the season. And I really feel like a lot of what we throw at UNT is going to stick in terms of the passing offense. Just looking at, again, their last week performance against UTEP. If UTEP was, or if, if uh, UNT was able to do it successfully, I doubt that we're really going to have any issues. So, really, to put it into one sentence, the one thing that I'm looking for most on Saturday is the one thing I'm looking forward to not seeing. Well, I really fumbled that. The Run one on thing I'm, the one thing I'm looking grammar, forward please. to, the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is to not see this. I got to scrunch it down. I'm putting your arms up, confused, looking at the sideline. We constantly saw that uh, under the Lincoln Riley era on the offense and the defense, people just waiting, you know, some of it is how we called stuff, but that confused look of a couple people don't know what's going on. I want everyone to know what's going on. If, if I see OU go out there, no matter how we perform against the spread or whatever else, everyone looks like they know what they're doing. They're being disciplined. They're not making silly mistakes. I'm not at all worried about how their fundamentals and play calling and everything else is going to go as long as everyone's disciplined and knows what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Jimmy Satterfield in the uh, YouTube comments, all the way in there with you, he's expecting to see a more disciplined and better tackling team. And I think the fundamentals on defense are going to be absolutely better. Uh, just in terms of coaching staff, I feel like, you know, naturally a bit of, a bit better as it seems. Um, and I, I think that's something that you should expect, um, you know, just over the offseason. Those are the things you can control. Those are the things that are easy. And, you know, frankly, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Venables doesn't have his defense in yet. He doesn't have his five-star, uh, you know, elite, you know, type of guys yet. But I don't care if you're a five-star, if you're a four-star, if you're whoever, you can practice the fundamentals and you can still be good at those. You can, And that's something that I feel like OU's really slipped on in the past. So I, I, I think he, he, he 
and you are, are, are very spot on there. And, and speaking of which, you know, we are live on YouTube for uh, those of you uh, listening uh, a day later on podcasts. Uh, but if you're listening live, you know, we have a little, uh, a solid audience here. Feel free to ask us questions. Uh, we, we'll make sure to address them um, at, at least by the end of the show for sure. But uh, we, we always like hearing from y'all for sure. Um, shout to uh, Billy Shields and IB Sooner as well. And then our guy, Michael uh, Whitman, uh, of course. So um yeah Anyways. i want to say one more thing about that tackling comment, yeah, yeah, Bobby, yeah. i think that's a really really big thing because that goes along with effort too um obviously there's good tacklers out there um and i think form and coaching goes a lot into it as well but effort is a big thing you know you see a lot of times where people take the wrong angle and they're not running 100 and they miss the tackle um and especially in the defensive backs so that's one thing but also i really want to look on the defensive side of the ball i talked about the wide receiving group for this game, I think a guy that on the defense side of the ball I'm going to be having my eyes lasered on is David Igwebu at the middle linebacker. Winning that Mike job was a big deal because that was a very, I feel like, kind of a hard competition to win. Uh, Danny Stutzman, even though he's getting the starter at will, you know, I'm sure that one day he'll want to be the Mike. Um, and also Deshaun White, you know, he gets moved over to Cheetah, but Deshaun White's an inside linebacker too. I think David Uguaybu has been showing some things good in camp. And even though in my past episodes, I've been a little bit, you know, critical of this guy might get a little bit burned in coverage. Um, if he can go out and show some things at the beginning of the season, I'd be willing to shut up and say I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, that, that's something we actually haven't addressed yet is the, uh, the, the, um, the depth chart came out on Monday. Um, uh, but you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm with you. I think there are a lot of guys out there you know, who, you know, it's time to kind of show out. So I, I, I will say, where did all the ORs go? I feel like they must have transferred to USC. There are much less ORs on the roster this year. Yeah, doesn't so. it feel really nice? Or Austin just doesn't even have anything. So it, we can be very, very happy to be have what we have now. Man, what a crap shit show is going on in Austin. I don't want to go down that trail. But yeah, let's let's talk about the depth chart for sure. Um. Ty, I want your thoughts because the first thing that I saw whenever I looked at the depth I already card, know. I, go, I already oh know. Oh my God. Ty, <laughs> Marcus Major, no or straight up number two running back. Is this the season, Ty? Do you want to put your chips in again? I, I mean, Jeff Lubby knows what he's talking about. He's had a ton of chances. So, you know, as long as he apparently remembered to enroll in classes this fall, which has been a problem in the past, apparently. <laughs> so he's he's apparently done that, which is the first step to success is being academically eligible to even play. So, but I like I like what I'm hearing. We as we've talked about, we're going to be seeing a lot more running from this offense, just pure up the middle, sort of wear out the defense and open up the pass for us. What a lot of people think is fundamental old school football. You know, not pure old school. Like I'm not talking to take it back to pre World War II, but just the sort of the football that I think all of us are are mid to late twenties here uh, in in our listeners. You know what you learned growing up playing football at at whatever level or watching footballs. You run till you open up the pass, and then you pass until they make you run again, type thing. And when we're going to be seeing a lot more runs uh, and relying less on big, flashy, big, because we almost did the the inverse where a lot of Lincoln Riley offense stuff was oh, wow, this looks like we could have a big run, which is obviously still a thing. You know, audibles and, and whatever else are still a thing. But when you're just looking at, at just reliable carries, you know, maybe the metric that Levy's looking at when it comes to 
my man Marcus Major is maybe he just has really improved ball security nowadays. That could be it. Because if, if you're just sending a guy through a gap and that's just his job to grind out those two or three yards sometimes and, and load management with Eric Gray and everything else, maybe he just has really good ball security. There's a lot that we can't read into as uh, we're still in week zero state when it comes to OU. So I under, I'm i super happy. <laughs> it was uh, you know, a call that I made a couple of years ago, it would be amazing if it came to fruition, but I don't know. I, th- I feel like people are almost reading too much into it is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't, and I'm not trying to discount his performance. I haven't seen his practice performance, but it doesn't mean that he's, you know, the greatest thing. It's just, he might be the best at a certain thing that we're looking for to fit into a little piece into our offense, just because he's number two on the depth chart doesn't mean that he's the number two uh, you know, he could fundamentally be not the number two guy, but it, I think if if he just has notably better ball security than everyone else, that would be a pretty firm number two for me, especially when you have a Eric Gray, who's very good all around as your number one. Well, and not only that, but in, in college football or in football in general, you know, the days of the bell cow, the bell cow back are over. You know, you don't really have one guy who's going to grind it out the entire game. So having a guy like Marcus Major be definitively two he's gonna get some major burn no pun intended he's going to get significant burns coming i did not i swear to god i swear to god i didn't mean it uh he's going to get significant burn and i I think that's really exciting um for sure so i um, think i think another thing that we failed not to talk about about this marcus major thing is i think there were a lot of comments about him having like the best six or eight weeks of practice of his life and really showing out and earning this number two, but Javante Barnes has been in out of practice um, being hurt. And from what we saw in spring ball and then in summer, they're really excited about this guy and now he's healthy and he's able to go. Um, But being in and out of the lineup and practice and a guy who's going out every single day, giving you his best and being really solid and giving you his best eight weeks, it's hard to keep that spot away from an upperclassman to a true freshman. I wouldn't be surprised, though, that down the line we see more Javante Barnes and maybe a hair of Gavin Sawchuck, even though he was left off the depth chart to Tawi Walker. I think that Javante Barnes will end up as the number two because, man, he is just so skillful. And in that spring game, it, it seemed like there was no way that's a true freshman running the ball. Yeah. I mean, he was absolutely a highlight of that uh, spring game for sure. For sure. I will uh, say real quick, before we move on from major, another important thing, just reading into maybe he's just a certain tool. Uh, he is at least 10 pounds heavier than Eric Gray. And he is 20 and 40 pounds heavier than the next two guys who are both freshmen. So again, it's the only other options are freshmen and then he is significantly heavier than than both of them. That could be a factor too, and just how we're planning on using them because they're all mm-hmm. about the same height. So he's our he's our biggest dude running back wise. Which again, maybe that's I'm, I'm sort of circular reasoning my own justification here. But if he has really good ball security and he's forty pounds heavier than the other dude that maybe runs a little bit better, then that's certainly going to be the the guy that I'm looking at in terms of maybe I'm going to put him out there and take some of that load and, and run up the middle a little bit more and give Eric Gray some rest. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I, I think that's, I, I think his size is definitely something that helps, you know, just having a different guy change of pace back uh, is big time, but um, yeah. So also what I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway, and I know we've already made the, the or jokes earlier, but you know, every single player on offense, they, they named a starter, definitive starter for every single position, which I thought was interesting. 
any surprises for you, Jameson, uh, looking at the uh, starting lineup for the offense? Yeah, uh, in terms of offense, no. The offensive line was really set in stone. Um, the way they put Marvin Mims at slot makes sense, honestly, but I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of moves all over the field in terms of outside wide receiver and slot um, because putting him at the slot really makes it very clear. It's Theo Weiss and Jalil Farouk on the outside. But if you were to put you know, Drake Stoops as the starter at the slot, I'd be curious to see who is higher for Rook or Theo Weiss. That's kind of really reading too much into it. Um, but in terms of starters, it seems about right. And the same is on defense as well, Bobby. Uh, you know, we've gotten so much intel about who these players, like how these players have been doing. There's not, not too many surprises. I think the biggest thing, I guess, on the defense um, to be a surprise, quote unquote, is Jane Davis winning the job. Um, that was probably the biggest question mark, uh, I thought, in terms of a position battle. I thought DJ Graham might win it, but it seems like Jaden Davis has taken that job and DJ Graham being the backup to Woody Washington. Yeah, and Jaden Davis, that, that question came up a lot during the press conference, it seemed. You know, they're just like, well, who else did you expect? But um, yeah, no, I, I think if there was a surprise looking at that depth chart, that's one to circle. Um Obviously, you don't want to look too much into ORs, but I thought Key Lawrence or Justin Royals was interesting um, at the free safety position. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's very interesting though. And uh, let, let me no, comment I, on that, Bobby, before you move on, because I think that is almost kind of a. I think Justin Royals would be playing Nickelback a lot, but we didn't have Nickelback on the depth chart because we decided to put Cheetah instead. So I think we'll, whenever we're playing five DB sets, that will be we'll see a lot more Justin Bros and Key Lawrence on the field at the same time. Um, but they'll be moving them around. I think Key Lawrence is a huge leader on this team, and I want I don't think there's any worry about him not being the starter on day one. There you go, there you go. Ty, your thoughts on any surprises or any standouts on the depth chart for you, other than Marcus Major? No, not really. It sort of speaks to how how much we knew about this roster coming in. Uh, the fact that the first thing we jumped to immediately is the biggest surprise was who the second string running back was going to be. But I think one of the things that, that jumps out to me is, again, the, the depth chart is not a look at every different setup. Obviously, some things aren't going to change. Like quarterback is not going to change. Center's not going to change by formation. But the receivers, just just looking at it, I constantly uh, – it just every time I pull it up, I, I am struck by the depth that we have there it's uh, probably our deepest position and it's just really exciting because we have a ton of experience, you know, a junior and two seniors are the, are the main guys, but a ton of big names out there looking to prove themselves as well. We're going to have so much opportunity to plug people in there and employ people in interesting ways that maybe go uh, with or against their, their strengths. Well, not hopefully not against their strengths, but probably the biggest thing that jumps out to me. And this was again, sort of a niche thing, but it was something that we had discussed earlier in the off season. And that was questioning who was going to be handling returns, because as we know, there's sort of two schools of thought in college football. Currently there's the, I will have my stars doing it uh, idea where you have your best receiver, best running backs out there as your returners or sometimes. And, and this is sort of what we started to see towards the end of the Lincoln Riley era at OU was we'll have our second string guys, or maybe our third string guys, and we'll give that an opportunity for people to get on the field reps and maybe show us some stuff as long as they have good hands, or you have the pretty niche on the college level, but uh, dedicated returners are actually really, really rare. 
in college. Obviously, that's not a spot on the roster, but uh, we have, at least in terms of the roster that we've released, committed to a pretty firm Mims and Gray being the the two main guys. If you look at uh, it's they're inverse of each other. Uh, punt return is listed as as Mims, and then primary kick return is listed as Gray, but then second kick or second punt return is listed as as Gray, and then second kick return is listed as as Mims. So obviously we're sticking with the not worried about load management on that handful of plays a game. We're going to put our stars out there and hopefully they can create some stuff. Am I seeing this differently? I see kickoff return as Billy Bowman or Marcus Major or Jalil Farouk, and then punt return Marvin Mims or Eric Gray or LV Bunkley Shelton. Okay. That's what I'm seeing is that's what I'm seeing as well in the, on the depth that they tweeted out. So, but I think I still think that kind of sits up with your trend, Ty. I think that's I a point to be f- made. Oh my goodness, bad source, bad source. <laughs> bad source bad. But your okay, well, was right. So throw I'll throw out everything, everything that I said up until announcing who was doing it. Uh, all Marvin the Mims to that. as a punt. There are different schools of thoughts. We've we've done a we've done a different school of thought. I guess. I yeah. just looking. I I had pulled up. I guess I had copied into my notes someone that did like a predicted one, like. 12 hours before the official one was released. So oh, I was just looking for got. just a special, I was just looking for a special teams one though. So it's all good. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways. Yeah. But um, yeah, no kick return with Bowman or Marcus major. Well, obviously you have to have more than one. So Bowman and major yeah. or Farouk back there, some combination. I think that's interesting, especially potentially like, you know, the idea of Marcus major getting, you know, returning a ball and then going straight down. With all that momentum, he did, he did a little funny. bit of it the past couple years, I believe, too. Like, this is like him and Bowman have experience doing this. Jalil Farouk, I, I don't remember him being too much of a returner, I might be wrong. And Mims, honestly, I think is the most prototype punt, off, uh, punt returner. He's got very for sure hands, and you're not as scared as much about a muff. Um, punt return is a lot more difficult in college comparative to the pros pros you got guys who are kicking 60 yard punts and you're catching them you got a little bit more room to wiggle with in the in the world of college not every single team that you face is going to have a guy that can punt at 50 yards and a lot of these are going to be fair catches. so having your most for sure hands guy back there is the smartest move and marvin mims is obviously the answer there yeah and a lot of people really dogged on lincoln for the amount of fair catches we did but you know honestly i i think you know hands and being conservative in that standpoint might not that was be more of a kickoff thing, thing though yeah I, I the complaints about the kickoffs for sure i get because you know mm-hmm. why not give it a you know let her rip but you know punt returns i i i think hands are the moves there move there it's been that way like since before lincoln i feel like stoops um really kind of had that towards the end of his tenure mm-hmm, we never definitely. saw like sterling shepherd return anything for example um so I, I think that's just kind of, like you said, kind of a common thing. I wouldn't be too worried about it. And, you know, not, not nothing to be too upset about if it, if you do see a lot of fair catches. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just your number one wide receiver being back there. It's, it's not like Marvin Mims, some stick in the mud. He won't be able to return a punt. He just got the best hands and he's got some shift to him. He's got some speed. Um, I'm not predicting any kind of like punt return touchdowns this year, but it's someone I feel confident back there. I think I think uh, moving on, guys, from this depth chart, I, I think one last thing I want to talk about on this podcast, you know, we've kind of already talked about um, what we're expecting from Saturday. 
Um, and we uh, did a little bit about what we're expecting from this season. And also on last episode that we did on uh, Saturday, we talked a little bit what would be like a non-disappointing season for the Sooners. I think let's just kind of bridge this to a similar question, um, but we'll take us in a different direction. Like, what do you expect from the Oklahoma Sooners this season? Like, put it on the line right now before the season starts. What do you think is going to happen? How is it going to end? And are we going to be happy fans at the end? Ty, I'll let you start this one out. Yeah, so again, I feel like we asked this question twice at the start of the podcast. And then we also did an entire episode on this a couple weeks ago. Let's do it again. But, Things have changed. Yeah. Come on. Like, like honestly, everyone wants to hear season No, it's like, it's, 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 we fair, haven't you asked. Never know, you never know who's listening for the first time either. Yeah, we haven't asked exactly the same question, but it, it certainly seems like we keep re-asking the, did you eat all the cookies from the cookie jar in different <laughs> ways, trying to get someone to admit to something. But uh, I think realistically, um, I, I would not be happy with two losses, but I think a, a two losses is, is realistic. I think, I think this OU team is better and will perform at the top end or overperform any realistic expectations, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to give a political answer. Uh, really what I'm saying is honestly don't know off the top of my head, how many games we're playing. So bad podcast host, but uh, <laughs> I, if I knew the number of games we were playing, then I could give you an exact, whatever two losses works out to be. I, I think I could see us pretty realistically, maybe even being a one loss team uh, undefeated is always possible. It's always feasible in the regular season. Uh, if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, but I, I almost would not hope for undefeated because then I feel like we just get really set up to fail in the in the postseason i think we have everything that we need to to be undefeated in the big 12 but again that's based on assumptions about the other teams too we don't know anything really about any of these teams so i think so, a two loss ou team is a pretty realistic but i could i could see a one loss ou team as well and i will say that one loss is during the regular season so that would include a win uh, I, I expect us to win the conference. That's a firm thing I okay, can give out. So I, I think we, two we can and should win the conference. Counting the bowl game, is that what you're saying? Because it's 13 no. games, including the conference championship. 12 regular season games, and they yeah. don't typically count the bowl game. So are you saying two regular season losses? I'm counting. I'm counting a post. I'm counting a postseason. I could see because okay, gotcha. I could see Both us because I think we're good enough to overperform within the big 12. And then, like I said, get set up for failure by just the conference, not being that great. If that makes sense. And then but there's always the... mistakes in college football. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a total crap shoot when it comes to postseason stuff, but no, I, I think, I think you're around the right way. I think, I think the, you know, general expectation two losses, I think would be like a, you know, that's what we kind of expect, but a one loss season, Big 12 champion, I I would consider that to be an absolute win. Um, a, this it's all about building building blocks. It's all about steps towards moving this team where it needs to be in terms of becoming a championship program. And um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and there's a lot of stuff to recover from. Uh, and you know, at that same time, I think there's a lot of excitement, and uh, this team is going to be a lot better than I think a lot of people who aren't really in the OU circle and aren't, you know, pumping that hopium that we've been pumping all, all off season are, uh, are, are feeling because I, I really think this team could be very good. Expect if, if everyone stays healthy, 
and you know people catch on a little bit quicker and that motivation's there i don't know i'm feeling that one lost season like 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 lynn in the comments is saying saying one last season conference champ i think that is a really good season uh if they make the playoff great whatever i'm cool with it I, I, I'm not one of those people who gets embarrassed about losing in the playoff. I think getting to the playoff is pretty solid. Now, you know, once we get better and the expectation is to win a playoff game, then yeah, you can get a little bit more mad about it, but it, that's just free money to me if, if Britain somehow makes it year one. Um, you, you won't see me complaining about that. So, But at the same time, I'm not going into this season expecting that. I, who I are you I'm worried trying... about with your one loss then, Bobby? I... Say it. Than, I, we already know. We already know. Already You're sympathetic to this team. You're a sleeper agent for this team. Just say it. TCU? It's a, it's, is that you're not worried about TCU. No, you're not. I'm, I'm, you're I'm not actually, worried about TCU. I, I actually think it, it'll be TCU. I think that like kind of build up before Texas is weird. I feel like Sonny Dykes is tricky. I, I don't like I I just I get the heebie-jeebies about it. I know we we've handled them every single year since 2014, but that image of Blake in my mind like running rush the field, running past Zach Sanchez's leg, like it, it's burned into my retinas and I will never not be afraid of that game. And for me it's the it's the trickiest road game because I think Iowa State's bad, I think Texas Tech's bad, I think West Virginia's bad, but TCU they're just tricky enough. So get, I, I think the frogs might be where we trip up. Um, if not them, then, you know, you could obviously see a straight up loss to Texas because, you know, anything can happen in Red River. But um, in terms of a trap game, it, it's TCU to me. I, I, I don't see us letting up on K-State, uh, especially with, you know, Venables, you know, being, you know, a K-State alum. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't see that being it. I think we beat Nebraska, especially after last week. Um, <laughs> I should, God, I hope so. You said, you said one loss with a loss and a bowl is what you were saying. Who is, who is oh, your potential. one loss? That you yeah. Think? To make up the two. I, I think one, realistically, I am most worried about, uh, I don't want to something. I think the most plausible one is Texas. Again, just I think that they are a complete dumpster fire, but they've been a complete dumpster fire for a while, and it's always been pretty rough. You know, we had that was that one year a couple of years ago where they had that like raging comeback and and things got dicey. They obviously they beat uh, they beat us once during the uh what's his name era the other alcoholic the one that got fired oh, not the one no. that's there right now but uh <laughs> so it's that one's worried worrisome but i think k-state probably worrisome which i'm not too upset about either because it's like when you play like a, a kid in soccer you know you let them win it means a lot to them it doesn't really matter to you like yeah technically you lost but whatever which is also how i feel about bedlam but i know if i speak ill of oklahoma state bobby will well he'll he'll get upset because he's okay. an Oklahoma State Cowboys fan. See, he's already doing it. He's already oh, getting upset. Oh, man. So, what yeah, about you, Jameson? Up, just straight up not true, but okay. Yeah, I think we crush Oklahoma State this year. That's probably my, like, one for sure take. I think we just beat them into the dirt. Um, but I'm I th- I'm going one loss with a loss to Texas. And um, that's sad to say out loud. But I'm just worried about the skill positions and, you know, Texas, anything goes, even the times that we play Texas with Case McCoy as the quarterback and Jackson Shipley, uh, we could lose, even if we have a really good team. 
with a team going into a big game with high-end skill players that might not be performing extremely well every single week, I just have this worry. Um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, we're not worried about Baylor. I mean, that's it's tough. You know, uh, Baylor is a really, really good team, but I just, with them playing, you know, it's a home game, right? Um, we, we play them at home, right, Bobby? Yeah, it's a home game yeah. uh, early November. I, yeah, I'm with I you. Think I think there's going to be too much hype and too much preparation in that. That I think Baylor's a good team. They're solid, and Dave Rand is a hell of a coach. They'll do some good scheming, but I just think we're going to show up and just play really well in the game. Yeah, yeah. I every think... every time we lose to Baylor, it's always at their place. I, I mean, there was that one where they were just flat out better than us, and they kicked our ass. And you know, we had Mike Stoops setting his guys ten yards back. But other than that, I don't really worry about them at Owen Field. Yeah, Baylor with Dave Aranda is just a fundamentally good football team, which even when they are on paper worse than OU, makes them a very significant threat if you have a, in my opinion, a Lincoln Riley style team where there's a lot of flash in the pan and and pizzazz and and all sorts of not necessarily trick plays, but trickery and and all sorts of moving parts and complex stuff required to, to win the game. I think Baylor is... I think could even be a better team this year than they were last year. But I think they, when you have a fundamental team like OU is supposedly fielding and and that's a, we field a fundamentally good offense and fundamentally good players under Levy and, and Venables, obviously his whole thing is just really good fundamental stereotypical football team. I think if you can piece together one of those, even if it's not as good on paper, uh, it is much less threatened by uh, a team like, like the threat that Baylor is going to present to us. In my opinion, I could be completely wrong. I had Baylor last in the Big 12 last year, mostly just because I forgot about them. But, uh, yeah, don't take anything I have to say on, on Baylor as truth. But I, I do think there is a bit of truth in, in uh, teams being a little bit more of a threat to a team that is maybe on paper better but relies on some more gimmicks to win versus a team that on paper isn't as good but is is fundamentally really solid. Yeah, no, I, no, absolutely. I, I think that's... Um all good points about Baylor. So uh, let's wrap this thing up with one last question. We always like just kind of talking about the overall game day experience. Well, uh, Memorial stadium has had some additions concession wise and uh, kind of want to ask y'all, what do you think is the biggest best addition? We got, we got Fletcher's corny dogs coming back. That's great. Um, got a little, um, but but I will say the you know, it, it's not the flashiest corn dog to come through. There's like this Elodes corn dog, which is really weird. Um, Midway Deli is setting up shop. There's a Boomerang Diner, which is like that's pretty all right. Um, and then uh, a little Korean barbecue in a cup called Cup Bop. So y'all, I, w- I want to ask, what is the uh, shining star of these new additions? And uh, if you had to choose, what would you be going to, James? I, I think that um what bobby's also going to say it's midway uh it's you know it's an oklahoma staple i mean a norman staple and you get it at the football game nowadays now that we don't live down in norman i guess you know ty has a different story here um but since i don't live in norman i can't hit those spots as much as i want to i'm only there for game days and no shot if i'm even thinking about a midway sandwich on a game day um, so having just that chance, I know the line's going to be a little bit ridiculous, but if they're pre-making their sandwich, like they do in their travel buses, um, that's probably the move because I get to say I had a midway sandwich and go to the game and 
honestly, that's just two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me a nice a nice Vulcan sandwich, you know, just snag one, eat it during the game at your seat. That sounds perfect to me. That that is that is Norman. That is OU to me. Delightfully in between two slices of bread. I I miss it every day. The other ones, good good job, whatever, you know. Nice to put, you know, you know, some crema on a in corn on a corn dog. That's cool and all. But the real ones, no, midways to move. Um, Ian, or Ian, what, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> got gingers confused there. Uh, Ty, <laughs> um, what's your move? Oh lord. Yeah. So uh, first off, there is a list. If you just Google. Uh, for everyone watching and listening, if you just Google uh, OU new concessions and then hit news, uh, it came up because I wasn't I wasn't tracking until Bobby brought something up here either. Um, news four, Oklahoma News four has a, a full list. Bobby, out of the ones you mentioned, the one that pops out to me again, like you guys said, is is Midway. But I am excited for any new options because I, I understand I have a pretty niche you know, uh, view on foods. I pretty much just Mexican barbecue and Italian food. And that's pretty much all, all I eat and rice, anything with rice, but, uh, unfortunately no big rice bowls at the OU games yet one day. But, uh, yeah. So, but all the, all the additions are, are good because you never know that could be somebody's you know favorite restaurant. So anything that we're adding is, is always a great sign. One that you didn't mention that's not technically food. Cause I'm not a big eating at the stadium guy, either I, I like to eat before and after but uh, one that really jumped out to me really popped out to me was a uh, pop and okie's popcorn i'm a huge popcorn guy i love popcorn and uh though you daily has some really cool photos of of that and I'm, I'm just a fan of something like that a little bit more at the stadium maybe it's because uh, more often than, than you guys especially in recent years i've i've viewed my games from the student section so that's a little bit different environment i, I don't know the the dynamics of eating a midway sandwich at a at a packed student section aren't aren't uh, optimal, but uh, popcorn is I think great for a game. I, I like the, the mobility of it, and you know it doesn't have involve both hands and, and things like that. So a lot of good options. I, I definitely uh, I think the lines are going to continue to be to be crazy. So who knows? But yeah, Papanoki's popcorn jumped out to me, and I'm assuming they're local based on the name. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be a little bit weird if they were uh, from, you know, I don't know, like Iowa. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, I love a good popcorn at the game. I think that's, you know, sometimes you want to keep it simple. You don't want to go too crazy and, you know, just, you know, bag of popcorn, maybe a little bit of uh, peanut action, you know, that's uh, that, 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 that scratches that itch, that hits the spot. So, uh, yeah, um, by the way, uh, 1982 Boomer Sooner, Midway is indeed a legendary Switzer haunt. Uh, you see him there all the time at a conversation with him about a pastrami sandwich there once. It was really, truly wonderful, uh, wonderful stuff. So, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't recommend people to go hang out there and to try to see Barry Switzer. But also, like, you know, you're more likely than not. Um, anyways. I yeah, but just like... just real. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say on the, on the concessions real quick, uh, according to. To news for we got baked bear boomerang diner cut bop the korean one like we said hto which is just drinks it looks like uh, levy levy premium which is barbecue things midway deli like we said nashbird although i, I thought nashbird was there last year uh, it was nashville styled hot chicken Papinokis, and then a shakes place that's just called shakes 
There you so, go. Good on their copyright lawyers for just getting shakes. Locking down shakes. The, just all of it. The entire food. So, All right, folks. I think that's all we got for this week. Um, it's game week. Let's, let's get this thing. Next week, we'll be talking about a football game that actually happened instead of previewing one. So I, for one, can't wait for it. I'm looking forward to the game day and uh, super, super pumped to get this thing going. If you listen to this live on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all of you, all of you getting your comments in. For listening to this back on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you so much. Make sure to leave a five-star review if you can, if you want to. I think we're five-star men. So um, we will have our score predictions, our bets coming up on the weekend spread coming up soon. So make sure to stay tuned to that. On your pod feed. Ten more minutes. On your, 7.30. On, well, we're not going live with it. Oh, what? Why not? Because we're not going to do a double episode. We don't over, like we don't want to overwhelm everyone. we got to spread that out. I, I don't so, see why it would be any negative. You make we'll, your we'll employees do a double. We're, gonna take we're a doing a double. Out. You we're force your unpaid out. employees gonna, to do it. <laughs> we're, no, we're going to take a time out and discuss it. You'll... The, 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 Viewers don't need to see this. It's fine. Oh, we'll talk okay, about it later. Okay. All right, cut us off. We don't, cut us off, we don't, angry workers. The audience don't need to see mom, dad, and other dad have an argument. So, <laughs> Who's mom? <laughs> this has been the Scooter Pod. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this. We'll see, you, we'll see you next week for week two as we break down the Kent State Golden Flashes. Y'all have yourself a great, great Labor Day weekend. Great week one. We'll see you soon. Boomer sooner, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Bobby Howard. And before we start the show, I just kind of want to talk to y'all for a second. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of college football preview podcasts. And, you know, it's it's really been great. It's gotten me hyped for the season. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. You know, I really like the versatility of Raycons. If you're really wanting to lock in, really just immerse yourself in what you're doing, that is where the noise isolation feature comes in. Just block everything out. It's great. But you know what? Sometimes you can't just, you know, shell yourself off. So that's where you go to awareness mode, where you can have some audio come in. You can do errands. You can act like a normal human being and uh, still listen to what you want. So I feel like that's actually pretty great. The Raycons really are great, though, whenever I'm not editing the podcast. Just kick back, listen to some red dirt. Feels like you're right in the middle of Kane's ballroom. It's great. I love it. So, look, if you want to be like me, jump on the Raycon train. Go to buyraycon.com TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com TPPN to score 15% off. One more time, that is buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Use promo code TPPN15. That's TPPN15.